there is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and this is the show at Freight Waves where we focus on decarbonizing value chains with a specific lens of freight fuels, and energy. Today, I'm joined by Adam Browning, board member and policy consultant from Forum Mobility. Adam, thanks for joining the show. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this one because this is a lever that I think many people on this program don't pay a lot of attention to unless you're a policy wonk, which there may or may not be many of those in freight, Uh, but there should be, and there should be more. And that's something we're going to dive into today. But Let's start with your background, where you came from, how you ended up at Forum, and then if you'll walk us through a little bit of just who is Forum Mobility, what's your goal, and where you guys work. Ah, sure, I can do that. Actually, maybe we just start with a little intro to Forum Mobility. So we're a new startup uh, company focused uh, in electrifying drayage in California. So our business model is to uh, build a network of charging stations for heavy-duty trucks operating out of the San Pedro ports as well as Oakland. Um, but then also buy the trucks and uh, provide a complete package. Trucks, charging, overnight uh, parking, um, and all the electricity you can drink for one low monthly fee, both for fleets as well as for drivers, uh, just given the fact that for drayage in California, some 75 to 80% of the fleet are independent owner-operators. So. I came at this uh, from a background in solar, uh, as well as many of my colleagues uh, in forum mobility. Um, Around 20 years ago, I started a nonprofit organization called Vote Solar. And the premise here, you know, was that electricity generation is the single largest source of uh, uh, carbon emissions and climate change emissions in uh, the country. And we want to do something about that. Um, Solar was this cool technology, really expensive. And so the whole premise was, how do you make it cheap? So I started a uh, career of policy advocacy with the specific goal of building sustainable markets to grow scale to bring down costs. And when I got my start, solar was around 10 bucks a watt. Uh, There was 165 megawatts total installed in the entire United States. We're now at about a thousand X that and uh, solar is the cheapest energy source uh, and the fastest growing one, not just in the U.S., but globally. So this is the result of a lot of people doing a lot of work. Um, But it was a wonderful uh, uh, sort of proof point of like through uh, um, policy intervention, you can make really beneficial changes in energy markets. A lot of folks from foreign mobility come from a deep uh, solar expertise, which I think gives us a really... uh, um, uh, a, a good leg up in that a big part of this transition to um, uh, uh, to zero emission trucks uh, is really building the necessary charging infrastructure and figuring out where you can build charging and actually get power um, is our is going to be the bottleneck in this whole transition and that's what our superpower is building is in our company's DNA we've uh, collectively the Founders have probably built around $20 billion worth of uh, solar throughout their entire careers. And uh, I think that uh, is really going to serve us in good stead as we go forward to build this charging network. 
That is so interesting. And I love hearing that story in the background and the expertise you guys bring into the space because it's clearly needed as we're just now getting our feet wet as far as electrifying long haul transportation here in the US. And there's been a lot of momentum here in the last year, as you've seen, I'm sure. IRA, Infrastructure Act, there's so many opportunities now for this to really take take off. Um, maybe you could walk us through why this moment in time feels like kind of solar 2.0. We've built the base. We understand how to get um, cheap solar at scale, uh, cheaper than the other alternatives. How do we do that with fleet electrification? And what are some of those levers that are needed to pull to, to let us hit a similar like S-curve S to, to what solar did? I'm glad you put it that way. This feels exactly like solar in the early 2000s, where the fun part of the S-curve was just right ahead of us. And look, I got to come at this with a great deal of humbleness in that there's been a lot of people doing a lot of great work for a long time to get uh, the prospect of freight electrification of zero emission transportation to where it is right now. But collectively, you know, we're at a point where the technology um, it's not perfected, but it exists. There are uh, a whole host of manufacturers of electric trucks from all the uh, uh, the OEMs that have been building diesels for a long time. They're all coming out with electric versions. And then there's the full suite of um, you know new only electric uh, OEMs. Uh, and then you align that with uh, the policy efforts. And this is there's a lot of stuff happening around the country. A lot of stuff happening in Europe and China. China is actually, um, you know, of course, the world leader in uh, heavy-duty uh, electrification. But in the U.S., uh, California is really leading the charge at this point right now, although there are many other states that are uh, putting a shoulder behind it as well. So we're at a point right now where it's really um, you know, quite an inflection point. Uh, the CalStart, a nonprofit organization, put out a report last year that you know, showed that there were about 45 class eight heavy duty trucks in use in the U.S. as of the first of this year. We're going to see a couple more zeros on that over the next 18 months, uh, which is just really a tremendous um, uh, scaling opportunity. So, Adam, if, if I could just sum that back up to you, what I'm hearing is we've got model options available that are coming to market that match duty cycles and needs of actual fleets today in long-haul transport. That's being addressed in a way that previous low-emission vehicles were not doing, right? I remember the NACAS trucks of the 2010s. They were great, but they were even underpowered for dray-type operations. Now we've got OEMs and new OEMs bringing true Class 8 models, electric models to market. That's a big change. We've got supportive policy subsidies in the form of charging infrastructure, um, federal rebates and excise tax credits for buying actual trucks. You've got local and regional state and specific location, uh, especially out in California at some of these ports. You've got uh, not only regulation in the form of a, a stick, but you've got supportive policy that's helping a lot of these owners get into new trucks at a lower cost basis. The third lever that I, I think we should double click on into a little bit is the demand side for emission reduction technology, specifically from large corporates, right? Over the last two years, we've seen such a push um, both at a global level, you know, at the United Nations COPS, as well as the corporates stepping up and trying to take the lead and move faster than government here. Is there, I want to, I want to lean in there and ask, are we seeing that demand actually encouraging fleets to adopt this technology or is it more fleets saying, Hey, I can, I can do this myself because I want to do it. Are fleets really investing at their, on their customer's behalf, or is it something that they're doing on their own? You know, I think that's a, 
fascinating new area to lean in on and hopefully to grow. What I really like about this is that there's so much room for firsts, right? There's still an opportunity to be the first, to be the biggest, to be the number one, the first to go all zero emission shipping, um, the first fleet to provide soup to nuts, uh, um, door to door, all emission, or even just a strong portion of it. Like we hope to be the uh, the all zero emission drayage operators uh, that can provide that option going forward. Um, but that's exactly what I lean in on when I talk to BCOs is like, you know, when I, you know, when I look at you, I see a first, but you tell me, you know, when you, uh, when you look at the mirror, do you see a number one or, or do you see a number 87, you know, because uh, I see a number one, but tell me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, but uh, so I think I would really love to see um, the uh, equivalent of a, uh, you know, in renewable energy, there's the uh, uh, Clean Energy Buyers Association that get together. Uh, it's a bunch of different corporates led by Google and Microsoft and others who are saying, hey, we want to be able to source 100% clean energy to run our uh, um, to run our company. Um, so, you know, uh, Google famously, you know, wants to be 100% clean. You know, they're, uh, you know, the, the the main ingredient of their product is electricity and they want it to be clean. Uh, we need to see the same when it comes to shipping as well. And so uh, I think that that is really uh, a, 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 a growing part of that puzzle that's going to help make this transition happen and happen more quickly. We know that there's, you know, I what's nice about what's happening in California is that, yes, there's a stick, but there's enough carrots <clears throat> that you can make. Uh, we can provide a truck right now that is incredibly competitive with the operation of a uh, of a diesel on a month to month basis. Uh, we can beat that uh, depending upon land costs and the like. Um, now we just also want to see uh, uh, cargo owners say like, yes, that's exactly what we want. We want to address our scope three emissions. We want to uh, have our full product responsibility. We want to be able to tell our customers that they can buy with us and feel good about it and know that they're not um, contributing to increased uh, both carbon emissions as well as all the harmful criteria and NOx and SOx pollutants that harm human health and the environment. Um, so uh, I would love to see a organization of shippers that come together and and then also say, and here's how we get there. Um, so we know that there's a lot of fungibility in uh, shipping costs. I mean, the cost of shipping a container from China uh, earlier, uh, you know, it hit something around uh, $20,000 earlier uh, in the pandemic. Of course, you know, that cost is now around, uh, you know, down by a, um, down by maybe 10x now. So um the, you know the the incremental cost of shipping electric uh really shouldn't be that much and it should be something that the cargo owners should demand adam that's such a great perspective and i i appreciate you saying that we've identified the three legs of the stool that are going to help this solution scale now how do we talk a little bit more about what it looks like in practice can you walk me through you know how forum engages fleets what uh, how you guys cite solutions is it Trucking as a service, I believe, is the model that needs to to um, really accelerate to scale this along that S curve we talked about. But what does that look like in practice for a fleet operator? Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. So, uh, you know, I also think there's some more parallels around solar as well. When it's not just the technology that you need, you need the business models that make it really easy for consumer uptake and uh, 
when it comes to, you know, you call it trucking as a service, uh, we could also just call it charging as a service. Um, but in essence, um, there are a lot of different both costs as well as potential policy-driven revenue streams that all have to come together to make like an actual uh, sustainable business proposition. And they're not all easy to access by everybody. So first, you need to build the charging, and that can be um, really difficult in places where you know you have grid constraints. So you need to find uh, a, uh, uh, a, in order to build a depot, you need to you know, find something a couple acres in size, uh, has good access and egress, um, and crucially has access to power. So, uh, you know, this is, again, something that uh, with all our solar expertise, we have a lot of experience in being able to figure that out. Beyond that, you uh, um, there in the state of California, there are incentives to buy down the cost of trucks through the HVIP program, they call this. Um, but that still leaves a large chunk left over and not everybody can finance this. Um, so we can bring in patient capital that uh, uh, isn't on a trucker or a fleet's balance sheet, um, but comes off of ours. Um, you need to, you know, building the actual chargers is also expensive. Um, these aren't uh, cheap pieces of equipment. Managing the software uh, in order to ensure that you're charging on the cheapest electricity rates off peak and you're not getting dinged with large demand charges is also important. Eventually, we'll see situations where uh, you'll have uh, charging depots with uh, a standalone stationary storage associated with it in order to smooth out some of those peaks that can also potentially provide revenue uh, during really crucial demand times by feeding electricity back into the grid and getting paid a premium for that. Um, you also, in California, uh, there is a program called the Low Carbon Fuel Standard that um, is meant to be sort of a cap and trade around uh, um, transportation fuels that charges high carbon diesel uh, and, in effect, puts that towards low carbon uh, sources like 100% clean electricity. Accessing those programs are complicated. Um, and often out of reach of a independent owner operator or a really small fleet. So we take the incentives for charging. We take the incentives for the actual charger. We take the uh, incentives for the actual trucks and we uh, finance all the rest of the different costs and we bundle that all together into just one low monthly fee. You got to make it as easy as possible for uh, the customer to access this. And that's something that we do. Adam, I love that perspective and the tangibility of how fleets can actually put these trucks on the road today. We see it happening on the West Coast. What can fleets do if they want to get involved and see programs like that pop over in other parts of the country to make this solution scale faster? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do have a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Like, as you said, there's some good federal money that's coming into this. Uh, they're putting a lot of money into ports uh, through the uh, and then the IRA gives money for charging as well as money for, for trucks. So we need states to step up and uh, lift a little bit more and build that entire ecosystem. So you need it, um, trucks, chargers, charging all together to make a sustainable business model that then can grow. And I will just say, like, once you build that beachhead, everything gets easier from there. Once you have that network of chargers, that network of solutions, and you see trucks moving 
uh, and you're building the business models that can be sustainable, it builds upon that and you just see success beget success. So, uh, you know, a lot of environmental organizations are working across the country around this. There's also a lot of trade associations that are specific to um, uh, trucking and fleets. And so I would look at the Electrification Coalition. CalStart is an awesome trade association That's a, that would be great to be a part of, uh, for example. We talked about this idea of really scaling up a uh, sustainable freight uh, association that would go out and demand those types of answers and I think uh, or solutions and I think that that actually could be quite helpful as a lever to pull going forward um, and I don't think it exists in its perfect form right now um, the zero emission transportation association is one that focused principally on federal solutions uh, these are all great places to uh, lean in and work together with a coalition of other interested parties to create that, again, whole ecosystem of support um, that isn't just a stick, but a lot of carrots that helps to make sure that the business models that need to grow uh, to uh, um, are, are fully there in order to be built. So a lot of ways to get involved in this going forward. Really good to hear. And I think an important point that might get lost in a lot of cases is state level action is so needed. Many of these fleets if you group them together, are some of the largest employers in most states, right? Knowing that truck, especially from a job count perspective, knowing how prevalent the job of driver is, I think they have a lot more power than they give themselves credit for. And if they're really wanting to see this scale, it's a job creator. It's an opportunity to partner with the state and really elevate your profile locally for doing good in the community that you live. So I hope we see more and more of that. And, um, you know, would love to dialogue offline if there are ways to get organizations involved around that as well. Thank you for everything. This has been super educational. Before we, we go, I'd love to learn a little bit more, Adam, why sustainability just as a topic in general is important to you personally. Oh, man. I mean, for me, climate's been my life mission. I feel like it's the, uh, uh, the most important issue facing mankind right now. Uh, we need to continue to have a climate that uh, is commensurate, that is uh, sustainable for um uh for for life going forward and you know i i have to say like when you look at like climate as a problem it just creates um solutions for so much more it's a source of jobs uh it's a source of uh you can also think about it in in this particular context as a source of national security i mean right now uh it feels really good to be able to be working on a solution that can that also tells OPEC um, where uh, where they can go. Um, and I really like looking at things where like, this is something that needs to exist and doesn't exist yet. How can we make that happen? And really finding, uh, um, working collectively with a lot of other uh, well-meaning people, um, it's, just, uh, um, it's just an absolute joy. It gives a lot of meaning and purpose to my life. And, couldn't think of doing anything else. That's really encouraging to hear. And I agree with you about the opportunity side of that. We're undergoing the biggest transformation of an economy we've seen in, in maybe either of our lifetimes. I'm a, you know, a few years younger than you, but I think it's the biggest opportunity we have to make a big difference, not only for the future of you know the planet and staying within planetary boundaries and keeping climate in check, but also for people, because that's what we, we can't forget, that it always starts with people. If we're not taking care of people and making sure that we're protecting the least of these from harmful ways, and as we're operating our business, that we're doing no harm and trying to just love others well while doing good. 
Uh, and that's what it's all about. So I appreciate that perspective. I've loved learning more about Forum and having you on the show. Thank you for your patience. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you guys back on again soon to learn more about how it's going. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. 